Many of our patients who suffer from significant back pain put off surgery as long as they can, using medical and physical therapy while hoping to avoid an elaborate operative procedure. Yet, as with so many areas of medicine today, minimally invasive techniques are providing new options for patients with back pain and others who face surgery. As with all new procedures, we have to ask, what are the fundamental risks and benefits? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Paul Holman, a neurosurgeon for the Methodist Neurological Institute at the Methodist Hospital in Houston. Welcome, Dr. Holman. Thank you for having me on the show, Mark. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about minimally invasive surgery today. Well, let's talk about that, Dr. Holman. You know, everyone is quite familiar with laparoscopic gallbladder removal as opposed to open gallbladder removal and laparoscopic fundoplications for GERD and arthroscopic surgery for knees as opposed to open surgery for knees. Well, what exactly is minimally invasive surgery on the spine? Well, minimally invasive surgery uh, in this concept uh, is basically performing the same operations that we've done for years, decompressing nerves that are causing pain, but trying to approach the spine with less collateral damage and uh, therefore improving the recovery process for the patient. But how do you really do that? Well, in the old days, performing spinal surgery involved making very long incisions and splitting the muscle off of the spine to be able to identify the correct anatomy. And minimally invasive surgery really started to take on some traction with the development of what are called tubular systems where we split the muscles with small dilators and provide the same type of exposure with less of an incision and less blood loss. And you use the microscope during this? We do. Some spinal surgeons prefer to use the operating microscope, which we've used to do brain surgery for many years, while some orthopedic spine surgeons are more familiar with using endoscopes from their experience with knee surgery. And so either the microscope or the endoscope helps us to do the surgery because we're working through very small incisions. Can all traditional spinal surgeries now be done minimally invasive? I wouldn't go so far as to say that all surgery can be done in this way, but I think the spinal surgery community has been very appropriate in bringing the technology along slowly to make sure that we can get the same types of outcomes in terms of relief of pain and success of the surgery in terms of getting a solid fusion if we're trying to weld bones together. And we're starting to reach out to more complex situations such as spinal trauma and scoliosis with increasing success. Are all patients candidates for this minimally invasive surgery if they would have been candidates for traditional surgery? I think for the typical operation that's done for degenerative problems such as herniated discs or spinal fusions for unstable segments that are just due to the arthritic wear and tear process of the spine, we're finding now that there aren't too many of these day-to-day operations that can't be done through a minimally invasive approach. Take us through, uh, let's say, the decompressive procedure uh, and a fusion. How would you do that in a minimally invasive fashion? Well, again, as I mentioned before, instead of making a very long incision, we typically, to perform a decompressive portion of the operation, will choose the side where a patient has the majority of their pain 
pain. Many times when the patient has a herniated disc, the symptoms are in one leg. And so we'll put our tubular retractors and dilate the muscle gently and seat the retractor on the bone that covers the back of the nerves. And then using the operating microscope or endoscope, we'll use a combination of small uh, drills and rongeurs to thin the bone and expose the nerves and remove uh, disc or arthritic bone material. So we freed up the nerves and completed the first portion of the uh, operation. And then the fusion involves typically putting spacers in between the vertebrae to restore the height that's been lost due to settling of the disc and filling those spacers with bone graft and then inserting tiny titanium screws into the bones to immobilize them and then allowing the bones to mend over several months. So if you have multi-level disease, does that mean you make multiple incisions as opposed to one long incision? For multiple level disease with the types of retractors that we have now, we can typically center the incision between the two levels and still work through a relatively small incision and get to both levels. So we still use a smaller incision. And this is, again, one of the reasons why performing surgeries associated with less blood loss, because multiple level surgeries with a traditional approach typically involve really long incisions and extensive muscle dissection. Now, are these procedures being performed by most neurosurgeons across the country, or are there just a a handful of programs? I think that in general, minimally invasive surgery is catching on to most neurosurgeons that perform a lot of this type of surgery. You have to remember that not all neurosurgeons and not all orthopedic surgeons, for that matter, do a lot of complex spine surgery with the you know, fusion operations. But I think that certainly the surgeons that have been trained in the past five or 10 years have learned some of these techniques during their training. And they, there are certainly a lot of courses that are being developed for doctors to practice these techniques. And, and really, the actual surgery itself, when you get down to working around the nerves, is really no different than what we've done for years. It's just learning how to use these retractors and the systems of putting in screws through small incisions. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Paul Holman, a neurosurgeon for the Methodist Neurological Institute at the Methodist Hospital in Houston. We're discussing minimally invasive spine surgery. Dr. Holman, is this surgery for the surgeon more difficult? I would say that any new technique that you're learning as a surgeon has a what we call a learning curve. So for doctors that aren't used to working with a microscope, let's say, there certainly is some frustration in the beginning because the surgery will definitely take longer until you reach a certain number of cases and then you pretty much will find that the operative times are equivalent to open type procedures. But there's always a learning curve and, and that's something that a surgeon has to be willing to endure to be able to master these techniques. Has there been any reluctance to neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons learning these techniques and doing these procedures? I think there's been a certain amount of reluctance, and that probably is a reflection on the integrity of doctors in general in that many times technology is in search of an operation or an application, and so many doctors will be skeptical that doing these operations with more expensive technology that requires extensive training might not be better for the patient. But I think the minimally invasive techniques have been around long enough now, and we've 
seen uh, numerous publications in our peer-reviewed journals and that most doctors you know, are starting to accept this as a not a gimmick, but really something that's better for patients. Let's talk about the technology a bit. What kind of technology do you use in the operating room? Real-type CT-like images, is that hard to learn? It isn't. I would say probably in terms of the technology, the thing that's made minimally invasive spine surgery a reality other than these retractor systems that we talked about are the what we call percutaneous screws, being able to put screws into the bone without um, you know, damaging the nerves and doing that in a reproducible way, an accurate way. And one of the technologies that we're using at Methodist Hospital is something called the O-arm. And what this is, is an intraoperative CAT scan that we use to take pictures of the spine and we transfer that information to computers that give us a three-dimensional view of the spine and we can track all of the screws and the instruments that we use. And this has really been an amazing technology that's taking off and have made the procedures even safer and easier to learn. What about the complications of these procedures as compared to traditional surgery? I think that the publications and the data that we're getting back in our peer-reviewed literature show that in general, the complications with regards to irritation of the nerves, the actual work that we're doing that's essentially equivalent, have not been any different than what we've seen throughout the years. And I think it's become pretty evident that the amount of blood loss and the rate of infection after these minimally invasive surgeries appears to be less extensive than with open operations. And and I think this is going to be the the number one difference between the two types of surgeries. And what about the success of, let's say, decompression and fusion, doing it with minimally invasive techniques? Just as good as open procedure? I think it's just as good. And if you talk to any spine surgeon, they'll tell you that above all else, the success of spine surgery is definitely dependent on patient selection. So if you're doing the operation for the right reason, and we're certain based on our diagnostic test that we understand where the problem is coming from in the spine, then our success rate for elimination of sciatica and mechanical low back pain is outstanding. Are there any patients that you wouldn't choose for minimally invasive surgery? I would say that some of the scoliosis operations that we do, particularly in teenagers where you're fusing over more than 10, sometimes 15 levels, that the technology, at least at this point in time, is not advanced enough to do this with the same type of speed and precision that it's done in an open procedure. So I think for some of the longer operations in terms of the number of segments that you would have to include in a fusion, that might be something that's really not gotten to the point where the surgery is really better for the patient. But I would assume that over the years to come that we're going to find that more and more of these procedures can be done, but we have to wait until the technology catches up with the applications. So looking at the patient's perspective, what makes it better for them to have minimally invasive surgery? I think that when you look at the stress of having surgery, the amount of tissue damage and muscular dissection and the amount of blood that you lose during surgery, that just puts a generalized stress on a patient's system. If they need to have a blood transfusions, that delays their hospitalization. And I think when you're able to make smaller incisions, you have less trauma to the muscle and less blood loss. That just helps people to get through the surgery quicker and their recovery seems to be uh, smoother. What about time of recovery? 
Do they get out of the hospital earlier? For our small operations, like what we would refer to as a discectomy, where we're not doing a fusion, I would say that the hospitalization is equivalent with open procedures because many experienced spinal surgeons can do surgeons can do the same type of operation through fairly small incisions. But when you start looking at the fusion operations, the data that we have now shows that patients that have minimally invasive surgery probably get out of the hospital, you know, one and a half to two days quicker on average. Average. And when you look at a four to five day hospitalization, that's a pretty you know, significant difference. Now, in these patients who have fusion, whether you do it minimally invasive or do it traditionally open, does the length of time for them to resume normal activity stay the same? I think it does because... You know, whether you use a minimally invasive or an open procedure, the bones are still going to heal and fuse over the same period of time. And I think that we still have to put similar restrictions on patients in terms of going through a very controlled, regimented physical therapy and sometimes aqua therapy process where they're rebuilding and stretching the muscles in the back. So overall, the global process of healing from these surgeries is about the same. But again, certainly the hospitalization and the amount of pain that people have immediately after surgery is really the key difference. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Paul Holman. We've been discussing minimally invasive spine surgery. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening.